Welcome to the Really Simple Investing Podcast, where you can learn from others how to be a successful investor. We bring you investors, authors, and experts in investing to help you learn more about how you can invest in some really simple ways. If you want to be a successful investor, join us every week for the interview. This is Floyd Saunders, the host for the Really Simple Investing Podcast, and we have a guest today that is going to really answer some questions that a lot of us have in our relationships with our most significant other person, whether that's a husband, wife, significant friend, uh, anybody that we share money conversations with. Uh, we're going to talk about that with Mariah Hutter. Mariah Hutter's passion is helping people create healthy relationships with their money. And she has a background in both mental health and finances to help couples live a richer, more satisfying life through productive money conversations. And I've never met anybody, Mariah, who has both a credential in social work, a master's in social work from UC Berkeley, and then an MBA in business. And that happened to be from a university in New Zealand, right? That's uh, right. Uh, what's Thanks, the, what's the, I don't... New Zealand very well. So can you pronounce that for me, University of? It's Waikato. Waikato. And how was it that you went to Berkeley and then New Zealand? Can you explain that little aspect of your life? Sure, I sure can. I probably am an intrepid traveler. Ever since I left college, I was very interested in traveling. And mm -hmm. I made my way over to Ireland, which is where my family is from. And that kind of sealed the deal. I mean, I, other than that, I'd only been traveling a little bit. And I'd met people over there in um, Ireland that had been away from their families for two years. So being in the United States, and having a what I would say a very sheltered childhood that was right. very huge to me to meet people that just traveled and worked. After I came back from Ireland, I went into to you know applied to UC Berkeley. I lived at the International House and I continued to enjoy kind of getting to know other cultures and learning mm -hmm. about their homes. I knew that I wanted to travel a little bit before I started working after my master's in social work and I had mentioned this to some Kiwis and they were like, "Well, you know that we come work over in New Zealand and piqued my interest. So I looked yeah. into it and sure enough, I could get a visa. So I decided to go over for a year and I stayed for seven. So you got to be really acquainted with the Kiwis then. I sure did. And I had a lot of opportunity from a social work standpoint. I entered into, I was initially went to Christchurch and a friend's father actually kind of helped connect me with the hospital and I was able to secure a job there and then moved up to the North Island about a year and a half later to Hamilton, which is where the University of Waikato is also located. Yeah, I definitely wasn't ready to settle down for my master's. I was ready to kind of keep going and traveling and seeing the world. So. Great. And so how did you combine this social work a background that you have, your master's in social work, and become a certified financial therapist after you got your MBA. I mean, where did that combination come from? Was it the result of working with couples and people kind of like, if you don't get your budget straightened out, I'm going to take you to divorce court? <laughs> what happened? Well, I think I'd always had an interest in finances. And even at Berkeley, I was taking elective courses at the business school. Mm -hmm. And I really got into personal finance in New Zealand because it was my first time really having 
having a professional career, making that amount of money, not like it was an extraordinary amount of money, but I had to manage all of it myself. I ended up buying a house there. Wow. And I, you know, as a single woman, it was extremely stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'd thought about like, oh, maybe financial coaching, but that really didn't kind of, you know, kind of sit as well because I had all these skills through social work. I ended up, you know, continuing medical social work and uh, did the MBA and executive MBA there while I was doing that and worked, went into programs, less into um, clinical work. And then when I returned back to the U.S., um, it just became a kind of a bigger interest for me. Mm-hmm. And I actually just happened upon the Financial Therapy Association. And I was like, this is it. Like, this is... This is your passion. This is my passion. Like, this will be what I will work for for the next, like, 10 to 15 years. Now, did that come from some personal experiences or all personal experiences working with clients? Um, what did what did what come from? The, the passion to help people manage, you know, get through these conversations with their significant other. Yes. I mean, as a social worker and just in... You know, I mean, I'm a so you know, I studied sociology in undergrad, and mm-hmm. I just love people's stories, okay. right? And transformation is another kind of passion of mine as well. So, it it blended really well, whether it's a relationship as an individual with money or it's a couple working together to understand their money stories, mm-hmm. um, heal them, and create a new narrative for the relationship or the marriage so that they feel confident and successful. It just seems to me that so many times when a couple gets married, you know, they come to the relationship or, or whether it's, you know, whether whatever the relationship is, they come to the relationship with backgrounds that they may not necessarily even understand or know about as it relates to money and finances and who's going to spend what. And then all of a sudden, you know, they put their money into a joint checking account. One of them is spending more money than the other one feels they should, and they don't really know how to handle that. And all of a sudden, you're meeting with them in counseling because they want to get better, and they don't know how to do it. And then you published an e-guide, You, Me, and Money, a consumer's quick start guide to building a financial rhythm. So talk about that a little bit. Sure. So I would agree with you that not a lot of us have had, um, conver- well, even self-awareness about our own money stories and, and how we engage with our own relationship with money. Mm-hmm. And then to come together with a completely different human being that we really love and have a lot of kind of hopes for for going forward that I think we think that, oh, it'll just work itself out. Yeah. Um, So we tend to not have those conversations beforehand because some of them can be actually scary and a lot of us don't even know how to talk about them, bring them up. This book, yeah, The Couple's Quick Start Guide to Building Financial Rhythm was really born from the work I was doing with couples and the process that I was walking them through. Because what I was finding in my practice was people didn't know how to start the conversation, have Mm -hmm. the conversation, how often, how to read the other one and how, you know, what things could activate them or shut them down, um, avoidance and just kind of different viewpoints on saving and spending. There's a lot of intricacies to actually having a conversation then also conflict. No one wants yeah. to in- embrace conflict. Like, I can't wait to have this conversation. Exactly. I mean, I wish I would have seen this book, you know, years ago. I've been married a few times, and certainly in my life, money has been an issue that has come to the forefront many times 
Yeah, because one person wants to spend money, one person wants to save money. Everything should be in a joint checking account. We should have individual accounts. You know, all kinds of variables come into that. What are some of the common difficulties that you see around money management when it's a couple and they try to discuss things? Yes, I would say one of the top things is that they don't view, they view money as it's something that happens alongside of them rather than actively engaging in it. And what I mean by that is, you know, setting a time, setting a time aside to specifically talk about money, mm-hmm. that that this is a priority. I mean, even we, even in being in relationships, we can get kind of lackadaisical about like checking in with each other or right. setting ourselves up for success for the week. Well, it's essentially the same thing for money. I mean, if you're not create, carving out space to kind of talk about it, then it's going to come up kind of uncontained. And I see, you know, a lot of stress around what I call financial drive-bys. <laughs> from financial drive-bys. Where maybe someone's going through the, the bank account and, you know, maybe it's early morning, be like, what's this charge of da 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 mm-hmm. You know, and we're not really ready to kind of have that conversation and it may come across as accusatory or critical. Right, right. And maybe it's not, maybe it's just of interest. Putting some like kind of containment around it of like when we have these conversations, how we'll have the conversations, how we need to show up. I always like my couples to start with something that connects them if there is stress around finances. Taking a moment to like give each other a compliment so that, you know, our stress isn't high. We don't start the conversation off in defense. Mm-hmm. These are some really good ideas. We're going to take a really brief break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the guide and how it helps couples that fight about money get out of those fighting situations. So this is the Really Simple Investing Podcast, and we're with our guest, Mariah Hutter, a financial therapist. We'll be right back with more great ideas for investing and building your financial security. If you're seriously interested in building your wealth, Join us every week on the Really Simple Investing Podcast and check out our website at reallysimpleinvesting.com. You'll find more great podcasts, our blog on investing, and some great books from Floyd Saunders. Books like Investing for Beginners and Five Paths to Wealth. Sign up for our newsletter so you don't miss listening to our guests and learn even more about the simple things you can do to become a successful investor. You're listening to the Really Simple Investing Podcast, and now... More investing ideas as we continue our interview. And now we're back. And as I promised, we're going to talk about this guide, You, Me, and Money, and what it does to help couples stop fighting about money, which is a really common problem, right? Mm-hmm, so so what sure. are some of the tips that you have in your guide to help people get out of this issue where you know they have these, as you mentioned, financial drive-bys, it causes conflict, one person being accused of spending money when they didn't tell the other or whatever the situation is. What do, what do you do to help them? Um, so it's, it's a bit of a process, but first we start with kind of self-awareness. So understanding each individual's money story. And a lot of us haven't really kind of even ever had this conversation with, you know, reflection Mm -hmm. with ourselves and most importantly, not with our partners. So where we, where we come from and how we arrive at life as adults are, is highly influenced by our role modeling in the United States you know, we are in a consumeristic culture, you know, parents, families, culture, religion, all of these things can impact how we engage with our money. So it's important to know that about the other person, because that increases compassion and understanding. And then just to identify what 
you know, one's money's beliefs is mm-hmm. around spending and saving. So would you say you're a Freudian type of psychologist that we learn our many beliefs from our parents and we don't even consciously aware of that? I would say that there's a portion of that, but I'm also very much in the kind of here and present now of what you do with that information, right? Um, And how it pertains to your relationship in present day. So as adults, we can stop blaming our parents for whatever happened and take responsibility for managing our money is basically what you're saying, right? Right. We need some skills and we need some um, ability to um, work through some of these limiting messages we may have received um, because we have to, we're moving forward together with someone, with our partner. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I use values as a way to, um, I I work with each of the couples to understand what's important to them, how they want to live their life. And then also for the marriage, like what kind of values do the marriage want? Or is it necessary? And that's where you can make your decisions around spending from. Because mm-hmm. the two of you are deciding together what kind of values you want for the relationship. Say if it's freedom, like financial freedom. Okay, mm-hmm. well, you might have to make some pretty serious um, decisions around saving um, to become financially right. free. Um, you have to talk about like for your podcast for investing, you know, what, what that means. Where do you, where you can put your money. I mean, a lot of people are, yeah, a lot of people are afraid of investing because they think there's a, a risk associated, but there's a risk for not putting that money aside and building up that money for the future as well. Uh, and that's really an important thing to be, um, concerned about and work through. Uh, so what are the kinds of discussions that you get a couples to have? Uh, as they get into this rhythm around money? Basically, the looking towards goals, setting goals for saving, and then looking at their lifestyles about how they want to live, and then, you know, setting kind of future goals as well of like how to get there, like what will mm-hmm. be how they need to get there, what are the, you know, financial literacy skills that they need to increase for the both of them, for both of them to feel comfortable And then most importantly, about kind of checking in, like having those monthly meetings to push forward and address anything that needs to be addressed. Do you help them at all understand in terms of this financial literacy, you know, you get beyond the point of budgeting and goals and having some money and savings, but then you decide, well, you know, we really got to get a better return than what we get out of a savings account. We should invest some money. Uh, Do you help them, you know, direct where they should put that money in terms of, you know, some really like broad valued um, index funds, for example, or high risk or high maintenance? Um, I don't. That's definitely out of the scope of a financial therapist. Um, Since my background is in mental health, I I deal with basically the money and emotion side, but I do refer them on to financial planners and advisors, Mm -hmm. and I prep them to be successful with those conversations. Because, you know, as you said, that people, they may feel that that's beyond them, that they're scared, they don't know how to have these conversations. But after working with me, they're really ready. You know, they're asking those questions, like, how do we grow this money? How do we get there? Like the different investing opportunities, whether real estate or the stock market. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as much as I encourage, like, yes, this is where I want you to be. That's kind of where our time ends. And I kind of pan the baton over to a more qualified person in that realm. 
Let's, let's take, for example, one person in the relationship wants to put money in the stock market and the other person says, oh, that's that's scary to me. Uh, you know, my family lost money in the depression. The stock market goes down. You know, all these concerns that they have. How do you address those kinds of things so the couple can get to that a point where they have some harmony around the investing part? Yeah, it probably from... I'd probably start to identify just the anxiety around, you know, what what is the background, whether if, you know, they did lose it in the depression to understand that a little bit better mm-hmm. um, and then give them some skills to reduce that anxiety or challenge those messages that they have, um, you know, with, you know, holding them back. Um, And then if they have the goals of growing their money, you know, helping to kind of expose, like increase exposure, well, maybe we don't put everything right now, we just start with a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. and what is a good number for you? Where do you feel comfortable? Right. And then kind of a reassessment as time goes on. Now, as you get them to go talk to financial planners and advisors that you might recommend to them, you know, I have like you know, 35 years experience working in the financial services industry. And one of the things that has always bothered me is that investment advisors and financial planners, they have their own vocabulary. They talk about a lot of things that people don't necessarily have a understanding and relationship with. Essentially, they try to make it complex. Whereas that's why I set up the really simple investing is because my ideas are you only need to do a few simple things and you can actually become a millionaire over time if you continually do them consistently. Right. And I really appreciate that because that is an important for the couples and the individuals that I work with is that keeping it simple is much more um, likely for them to engage in something like mm-hmm. that than to feel that it's so complex. Um, yeah, a couple, right. three key things to kind of anchor on that. Right. So, so how do you how do you deal with the idea that well, I mean, it, you know, it might typically be let's say the husband in a marriage wants to put money in cyber currency, you know, Bitcoin or something like that because it's going up like crazy and it also crashes like crazy, and the wife is saying, oh no, that's too risky, uh, but I don't know where to put the money, and you know. Do you direct them to somebody that can have that conversation with them, or do you have that conversation yourself? Well, I think that definitely calls for getting pulling together a lot of information prior to having a conversation between the two of us. So each of them would need to understand, you know, that avenue of investing a little bit more before we could have a productive conversation about what that looks like for the couple. Mm-hmm. I mean, typically there's, you know, you can always meet somewhere in the middle. You know, each person may not get their needs met 100%, but there's usually some happy medium. Maybe you uh, take a portion of your money that you have available for investing and put it in an ETF that covers a broad market, maybe a little bit of bonds. And there's actually some ETFs that you can invest in that cover cyber currency uh, and uh, cryptocurrency. And you don't have to do all that investing yourself and somebody can manage that money for you. And, you know, while some of that money is growing rapidly, a little bit of that money is growing more slowly. And maybe that makes the couple, you know, satisfied in both both respects. A couple of questions before we wrap this up, maybe like a kind of a, a rapid round. Can I just ask you a few questions and you can say, you know, yes or no to these things? Let's do it. Okay, great. So joint checking account or separate accounts? Depends. Depends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Savings account. 
you know, based on research, joint is probably going to get you there um, faster. It means that you are have, both have eyes on the money and knowing how it's being spent and can kind of work through there. So it depends on what your goals are. Separate accounts for investing or joint account for investing? I, I think that... I don't know. I mean, that that's. I mean, most people do have separate accounts from investing if they're working. Yeah, so um, the four hundred one k type approach. If you have yeah. to have a or an IRA or individual accounts, but you could have a joint account, and you know that would cover that kind of stuff. Maybe the more important thing is like, when do you have these conversations? When do you get into this rhythm, as you mentioned, right? As you're talking with your counselees, right, the people that you talk with. Um, how frequently do you recommend to them that they sit down and have conversations about money and review the budget and where it's being spent and what their goals are? Uh, monthly. So At least initially monthly. I start my couples off weekly, but mm-hmm. that's because they're learning a new skill. Right. And then they should be able to, um, you know, widen that out as time goes on and they, they feel a little more confident and um, they're able to handle it in a shorter amount of time. Okay. And then, Mariah, what's the the best advice that you can give a couple that's struggling with money and having fights over it and, you know, they know they love each other, but they just can't manage that money. What's the best advice that you can give them? Um, the best advice is to, you know, basically there are there is potential to work through those things. Mm-hmm. And it will require some learning and some commitment. And maybe you have to do things a different way. But there's still potential in that. So when a couple comes to you, basically you're giving them hope, right? Hope and some skills. Yes, right? definitely. And then that turns into a pattern of, or a habit that they follow consistently and helps them be successful. How much time does all this process take? Do you, in a, do you consult with them for weeks, months, years? Do you have a checkup once a year? What do you do? I have about six to eight sessions with couples to kind of get them mm-hmm. up and going, you know, increase skills, learn some coping skills, some com- communication techniques. And then um, it depends on what they need. And it, it's everyone has their own journey. I have couples that are premarital. And those mm-hmm. are pretty standard because we don't have a lot of those patterns and relationships already in, uh, embedded. Yeah, embedded. Um, where my long, you know, couples that have been married longer, it does take a little bit longer because they're also kind of recoiling um, patterns that they've already put into place. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, Mariah Hutter is a financial consultant, certified financial therapist, if you will. She combines finances and social work. And her e-published guide, You, Me, and Money, A Couple's Quick Start Guide to Building Financial Rhythm, is available from her website. We'll have a link for that in the show notes and in the description. And you can get a hold of that, and hopefully that will help you guys out. Thank you so much, Mariah. Thank you, Floyd. Thank you for joining us for the Really Simple Investing Podcast. Every week, we bring you fresh ideas for investing and really simple ways to invest and build for your financial security. Be sure and hit the like button, subscribe, follow us on our social media channels, and tell your friends. And if you'd like to be a guest on Really Simple Investing, just go to the contact page on our website and send us an inquiry. Thanks. We appreciate our audience so much.